Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Our lives can change all too suddenly. One minute we're at work or enjoying the company of friends or spending time with family, and the next minute our lives could be turned upside down. At 19 years of age, Stephanie Moss was your average teenager, studying primary school teaching at uni, working as a piano teacher, as well as being involved in children's ministry. That all changed one night when she had a seizure and later found out she had a tumour on the left side of her brain. After having surgery, Steph was given a medical prognosis of surviving two to three years. The powerful thing is, amidst all the turmoil, she's never doubted God's existence, provision and care. If anything, her faith has grown. More than that, Steph has acted selflessly, raising $42,000 for the Starlight Children's Foundation and the Cure for Life Foundation. And Steph joins us now with her mum, Kerry, and her dad, Phil. Guys, welcome to Open House. Hello. Thanks so much for coming in. Steph, you're such an inspiration. What do you remember of that night? Much? Well, I remember the start of it. Um, The start of it basically was um, we had a kid's youth group night and it was a sleepover at the church it just so happened that we didn't have that many kids there so me and my friends could go home and sleep on the floor of my lounge room rather than sleeping in the church with all the kids so that we could get a good night's sleep for the next day i woke up screaming in the middle of the night because i was hearing voices in my head found out later that i had a seizure um just ran out of the room. My boyfriend was there, lucky him to see that. And my brother, and my brother ran upstairs to grab dad. He came downstairs to take care of me. Were you in pain? I don't really remember being in pain, just very, very confused as to why I couldn't speak and why I was shaking, couldn't walk. And just then I don't remember anything after that. Kerry and Phil, you were there? I was there. I remember being woken up about two o'clock in the morning, going downstairs, and Steph was in the bathroom and just like a glazed look on her face and sort of slurring whatever words she could get out and sort of not being able to hold her own weight, trying to talk to her and getting no, no response from her, no recognition. Then we tried to get her out into the hallway, and at that point she had a full seizure, passed out, and then the whole things about shaking and, and all the different things. And you're feeling what? Scared. And panic and wondering what to do so obviously the first thing was to ring the ambulance straight away and try and find out what's going on luckily we live very close to the hospital so they were there within two or three minutes and then ringing Kerry who was still at the church what did you think Kerry I was lying on a pew at church because I'd stayed with the kids for the sleepover I got the call from Phil and he was just said straight Steph's acting strangely there's some really weird things going on come home yeah just remember coming into the driveway and the ambulance there and Coming inside and Steph, she didn't know I was home. She was already semi-conscious. She's in a very strange state. The ambulance drivers were quite firm about because they were concerned because it was a room full of teenagers. Mm. So their first thoughts are that she's taken something or because she was actually gripping the ambulance driver's hand. When did you find out what this was? Uh, They did a couple of CT scans, actually, and I was there on my own for quite a while until Phil and and Steph's boyfriend came. Once Reese and and Dad had arrived, we waited in that room and for quite some time. It was probably about an hour and a half, and then they transferred her to 
St George Hospital where they do neuro, that's their specialisation. They said there was something on the CT scan but they transferred her there. So again I went with her in the ambulance and it was probably about 9 o'clock the next, that morning. I think we said it was 2 o'clock in the morning when it happened. It was 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we just had a neurosurgeon walk in and say there is a brain tumour on the left side of her head. Are you panicking? It was panic at the beginning. And whilst we were standing in the hospital and he was talking to us, it was, it was strangely, I think you just don't believe it. I think it's shock and denial, so... Yeah, you think they're talking about somebody else's child, not your own. How about you, Phil? Like it was in someone else happening to someone else. It was sort of almost like sort of an out-of-body type thing, You're hearing yes. this stuff and, and listening to it. It's really hard to accept it yourself and understand the true implications of what they're saying because you just don't know what it is. You, you, you know it's a brain tumour, you know she's going to have an operation and that it's cancer, but you don't know what that means in terms of long-term or what it means for Steph or how she's going to come out of the operation or any of those sorts of things, which just leaves you up in the air. How much fear was there? Oh, it was a lot of fear. One of the scariest part, I think, was when she actually went into the operating theatre and we actually let her go at that point because then you're passing her over to somebody else. And for the first time, that was the realisation that it's no longer in our hands. It's purely in the surgeon's hands and in God's hands. Nothing else to rely on at that point. How much do you pray? There was a lot of praying going on. <laughs> Didn't actually know what to pray for, to tell you the truth. I was uh, I was a little bit lost about that. We gathered around friends and church people very quickly and sent. so we sent texts out and we were covered with prayer from our friends and, and family very quickly. You basically pray, God, no, this can't be happening. Yeah. Yeah. Steph, when do you find out what's going on? Um, I did find out while I was at the hospital because of the whole language side of my brain being where the tumour was. I didn't really understand what was happening and what it meant. The word tumour and cancer weren't kind of sticking in there. They didn't seem serious at all. It was only after I got home and after a few weeks that I was kind of starting to understand what had happened. And how did you deal with that? Um, I felt peaceful. God was with me the whole way. I basically felt protected and safe and I knew I could rely on him. That's a big exercise of faith. Yeah, well, I don't have anything else to rely on in this world. So, How real does that faith become then? Very, very real. Because before I just kind of planning out my life going, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to marry Reese. I'm going to go be a teacher at a primary school, and then just all of a sudden I can't rely on any of those things that I was relying on before, or my parents even, because God's the only one who knew what was going to happen next. It must make you more dependent on him? Yeah, absolutely. He's also blessed me through this. He's been amazing. Coming out of the operations, little story, as I came out, the first thing I did was ask Mum for a pen and I wrote on the back of my hand, John 3.16. Wow. Yeah, and I gave her the pen back and said, I don't know what is in it. I don't understand words, but I know it's important. <laughs> That's a pretty amazing thing to do. 
Yes. And see, Kerry. Yes. I know. I actually said to her, um, What's going on? Are you going to evangelize to the nurses? What's going on here like this? And she's yeah. like, Evangelize? I don't know what you mean. Um, and I basically, yeah, she said, I know it's important. I just don't know what it is. So I told her what it was, and she had no recollection of the words yet, you know, as we all know. If you grow up on Sunday school and everything else, that is the verse we all yes. know and understand. So, yeah. And it had gone, but she knew the reference. And that was the first day. She did it every day after that. And I bet for all three of you, that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It must have such deeper meaning. Changes your complete attitude of everything you have. For all you say in the past, you say, oh, you know, rely on God and, and, and believe those verses. And, but when you get in a situation like this, it means everything. It's all you have. And without it, we haven't got you know, that long-term future. And we know now that no matter what happens in this situation, that, that we're going to be together one day again. So um, you can put your faith and trust in, in what's God's promises. But it's more than a crutch. It is. It's much more than a crutch. It's your rock. It's everything. I've had a number of people say, you must be angry at God. And I haven't found myself angry at God yet. He's explained to us through his word that there is suffering. We will be suffering. There's not. Uh, it's not even negotiable that's going to happen. We will have suffering. But that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's the promise. And I believe that's what he's done within the time that we've been going through this. He's never left us alone. On Open House, we're with Steph Kerry and Phil Moss. How do you feel about that, Steph, from your perspective? Have you ever felt angry at God? I've never felt angry at God. Friends have kind of asked me that same question, and I'm, I don't think he gave me cancer, so there's no reason to be angry with him. I think he might have used it well in the way it happened and it kind of slowed me down a lot. As I said before, I kind of planned my own life and planned what I was doing and even if it was for God, it was kind of all in my power. So getting this means that I'm relying on God and putting everything in his hands and he is directing me rather than me. How do you deal with a prognosis of two to three years then? means I get to go home early. <laughs> um, it doesn't scare me at all. I can go home to God if that's what happens in two to three years that I go home. Not scary, but I know that God still has a plan for me left here on this earth, so he'll take me wherever he wants to take me. There certainly has been a bit of a plan since all this, which we'll talk about in a moment. What about you two? How do you feel about the next two to three years? Or hearing that? It's been very hard hearing that. Steph's been saying that from the start even, almost that um, she's accepted where it's at. She knows where the, what the situation is and it's win-win for her from her perspective. Either God has a big plan for her here that she can carry out or she's going to go home early. But from a parent's point of view and hearing that from your child, a 19-year-old, yeah, it, it's very hard. And dealing with it, you have to go back to, to God and, and rely on God in that circumstance. It will be quite okay to get angry with God mm. and probably understandable. Mm. It just hasn't happened at this point, but I do think there's a chance we'll probably feel that at some point. When she says that, she does say it quite openly and there's some people who find it quite hard. I was going to say, does it shock people? Oh, it does. There's family members who find it really, really hard, but it's her piece and she's speaking out her piece. 
I can take some of that peace knowing that we also believe that we will see her again. So I can grab onto that. But yeah, as a parent, you go, this is not what you plan for your children. It seems both genuine to me and so incredibly down to earth under the circumstances, Steph. She's just shrugging at me <laughs> as if to say, well, so what? <laughs> I suppose why not? It just seems normal. It's just what happened. It's just what kind of flows through my brain. I don't have any other thought that might change my mind. Tell me how you've been using some of this time since then for good, to an extent that you didn't really have an opportunity before. Ah, yes. I Well, obviously I had no time before. Yes. <laughs> I was working and at uni and doing all sorts of things. Um, Mum came up to me one day and told me that she had a plan for a party for me. And she knows me well. And so she told me that we were going to use the party to get donations to go to Cure for Life and Starlight. Well, she didn't say those two. I got to pick those. And so I just thought that was fabulous. Yeah. And so it was purple for a purpose. We get to have a party where everyone dresses up in purple and gets a bandana on their head because I needed one. <laughs> <laughs> where did that idea come from, Kerry? I thought, well, it's just been such a horrendous journey and so quick and, and so much going on and things being talked about like death and other things that we never thought we would be talking about. So we want, I just wanted something that was a bit more positive. And she's just a social girl, so she loves her friends. So I thought, well, we'll get as many of her friends around and we'll do the fundraising because she likes to help people. We had 280 people come. It's pretty good. All dressed in purple. It looked fantastic. Very purple. <laughs> And Kerry, you organised something quite special for this party. Yes, Steph's a music lover and she's a musician herself, um, but her most favourite thing of all is a cappella singing. Yeah. And so I got in contact with the idea of North and they were even actually due to be over in Asia. Then I got an email, I think within a week and a half of the party from Nick in the group and he said well, they were going to be able to be there because their trip had been put back. I was very excited oh, and it yeah. was very hard to that, keep it in. <laughs> that's no small achievement. And, yeah, it was it was exciting. That was probably the icing on the cake for me. That's what I wanted to do with something really special for her. And Steph, when Idea of North turns up at your party, what do you say then? Uh, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I was so excited. I got to like, hug each of them and yeah. just sit there and stare the whole performance they gave for me. It was fantastic. I couldn't believe that mum had done that. That was a pretty huge thing to do for me. She's quite a mover and shaky, your mum. Yeah. We'll get some photos and put it up on our Avonhouse yeah. community Facebook page. Yeah. What else have you got planned? We've done a walk from... Cronulla to Miranda, that's only about, what, 7K? And I was actually able to do it walking yes. the whole way. That <laughs> was so stuff. exciting. Um, and getting sponsors there. Uh, the credit union that we're a member of, um, they'll nominate the application fee, which is about $200 alone. And you get come through if they nominate Purple for a Purpose and they put it up on their website and so forth with that as well. So mm -hmm. so that's another part of the, of the fundraising stuff that's going on as well it's still going um you've created a monster yes we have created a monster you could have just curled up in a ball and i could have let this utterly overwhelm you and yeah. i'd understand that that'd be so much less fun than just <laughs> living life as it is god's given me life why not 
live. I don't. I couldn't just sit there and go, oh, I have cancer, poor me, curl up in a ball. I don't see anything joyful in that. Phil and Kerry, how's it changed her? There are definitely miracles that have occurred because the tumour is in the left side of her brain and is in the language area. And when we were in that hospital, she lost the ability to communicate. So she wasn't actually able to talk to us very well. So when she came out of the surgery and she was actually able to talk, that in itself was a miracle. They also said that they had to dig quite a bit to get to this tumour. So they were concerned that she'd have some paralysis. She's had none of that either. She has a little bit of dodgy coordination, but she always did in that way. She's never been really the sports person. so <laughs> Not that bad. <laughs> Phil, have you noticed how she's changed in herself? I think in proclaiming her faith particularly, she's, um, she's much more outspoken, I suppose, out there now, blunt about her faith and what she believes to her friends, to family, to anyone who will comes across a path basically now and it's amazing to see some of those changes and some of the things that god uses them for there's been a number of her friends who were struggling with faith who have come back to faith other friends who have come into faith and people are questioning just through this and, and god's using it for those purposes so you see a big change in that sort of area probably on the negative side of things she got her peas probably four months at this point in time had to hand her license back for not she's not allowed to drive at the moment so that's not the best she's also because of the seizures we're told we can leave her but we can't leave her for a long periods of time so yeah. she's probably living in our pockets a little bit more which is probably not much fun I don't imagine. And um, she's had to overcome those things to get on with her life. So if you're so upfront about your faith, what would you say to the people who are listening tonight about the reality of this? That you can rely on God for everything. There is nothing in this world that you can rely on and think that they will always support you, they will always be there for you. There's nothing in this world like that, that God is the only one who can do that. How do you reflect on the certainty of life? It's just something that's happened. And I guess people should, if they believe in God, they should also realise that it's not so predictable. Life isn't, you can't just do it for yourself, you can't see what's going to happen next. So it's not reality at all. So how do you view the future now? I look forward to it. I look forward to each new day I have. Usually fill it, somehow manage to fill it with lovely things to do. I rely on God. I pray that he will be with me by my side, pushing me in the right direction because I don't know it myself. So that's how I react to our future. Well, I'm inspired and I'm sure many people are, as they've heard the three of you speaking tonight. Thank you so much, Steph and Kerry and Phil, for joining us on Open House. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.